Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 33, there is a single verse, just one, and it reads as follows. And when they would come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Now you notice that the whole of the crucifixion is concentrated in just one verse. There is not the slightest effort on the part of Luke to be dramatic. It's simple, he says. He went to Calvary. There they crucified him. And it was a thief over here and a thief over there. And that's all it says. There is no emotional appeal, just a simple statement for the record of the facts. Now, of all the facts in the Christian faith, there is none as well known, underscore known, as the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Everybody knows that. Yet, I have found that the average person in today's world sees little at Calvary beyond that which is physical. You know, the physical violence, the nails, the crown of thorns, the wounded feet. It is true our Lord's feet and hands were nailed for you and me. But many people have never gone beyond the physical aspect and conclude that what took place at Calvary was a really good man in great physical pain. But is that all that really happened? Is there something deeper? There's no question about it that Jesus was the greatest teacher that the world has ever known, yet the gospel of the Lord Jesus is not built so much on what he said as upon what it is that he did. You know, when Paul started to preach the gospel, he said, I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 9, look at what Paul writes. God sent me to reveal the secret plan that had been hidden since the beginning of time by God who created everything. God's purpose is now to show the rulers and powers in the heavens that many different varieties of his wisdom through the church. This was consistent with the plan he had from the beginning of time that he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ, we have bold and confident access to God through faith in him. Paul says there was an agreement between the Father and the Son that should sin ever arrive anywhere in all of God's universe, that the Son of God would come to that place and there he would make a sacrifice for the redemption of that world, wherever it might be. This agreement, Paul tells us, was eternal. It was kept as a secret. It was hidden. It was not revealed what God intended to do until it was actually needed. And then God brought it forward. 
it was the eternal plan of God that should sin come anywhere, that the Son of God would come to that place and there he would make a sacrifice. But while God intended that his Son would make a sacrifice, God never intended that his Son be crucified. Never. That was not God's plan. A sacrifice, yes. A crucifixion, no. God planned to make a sacrifice, but the crucifixion he did not plan. Why? Well, because the crucifixion was a crime. It was a criminal action, a horrible violation of justice done to an innocent man. So do we owe something to Judas Iscariot? What if Judas Iscariot had suddenly become converted and hadn't betrayed the Lord? Then what? What would happen then? Should we get down on our knees every morning and thank God for a guy who has no principles, who would sell his best friend for a few pennies? Did God need the help of a man, an unprincipled man like Judas, to save the world? And that without an unprincipled fellow, we'd all be lost. Now, what is the source of the confusion? You see, here at Calvary, the source of the confusion is as follows. We fail to distinguish between two things. Two things, both happening at the same time, at the same place, Calvary. One thing that men were doing and another thing that God was doing. The crucifixion is the hate of man. The cross is the love of God. The crucifixion is man at his worst, and the cross is God at his best. The crucifixion is the attitude of man toward God, but the cross is the attitude of God toward man. The crucifixion is man at his lowest. The cross is God at his highest. The crucifixion is what man was doing to God, but the cross is what God was doing for man. The crucifixion is the greatest criminal action of all time, but the cross is the most sublime moral action that the universe will ever see. And so we are not redeemed by the crucifixion. We are redeemed by the cross. We are not redeemed by what men did to Jesus. We are redeemed by what Jesus was doing for man. It was Christ, what he was doing at Calvary, that counts. What men were doing was terrible. But what Christ was doing, well, that was wonderful. What was the crucifixion anyway? What was really going on? All the way along the ministry of our Lord, as you read it in the four Gospels, Satan tempted him. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And when it came to the cross, Satan continued to tempt him. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus was the supreme temptation the last one, the greatest one. Now let's look at it. In the Bible, you read like this. Jesus was tempted to come down from the cross. 
He could have called 10,000 angels. He was tempted to come down from the cross. Watch what the crowd said to Jesus. Mark's gospel, chapter 15 and verse 30. Save yourself and come down from that cross. See, what were they tempting him to do? Come down. And he could have come down. But if he was going to save the human family, he must not come down. Verses 31 and 32, Mark 15, it says, In the same way the chief priests were making fun of him among themselves together with the legal experts. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let the Christ, King of Israel, come down from the cross. Then we'll see and believe. Even those who had been crucified with Jesus insulted him. You see, his disciples, they, they didn't understand what was going on there. None of them did. If they had understood it, they would have prevented the whole tragedy. As far as the disciples were concerned, it was the end of everything. All of their hopes were blasted. Not even Mary, his mother, understood. They would have prevented this death if they could. All that any of them saw was the short-range view. All that they could see was the tragedy of the crucifixion. None of them saw the glory of the cross except one. And who was that one who saw the glory of the cross? It was a thief. Yes, there was one man, one thief who saw. And he turned to the Lord Jesus and said, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. You see, the other people made fun of Jesus for being a king. And that's why they made him a crown of thorns. He was made a laughingstock. But there was one who saw that Jesus was a king and asked for a place in his kingdom. There was one man there who saw that this was not, in fact, the end of everything. It was only the beginning. And that Jesus was indeed a king. This man knew Jesus must not come down. And he didn't ask him to come down. Neither did he ask Jesus to take him down. He asked Jesus for a place in his kingdom when you come in your kingdom. Now, if you would hear this, what was the crucifixion? What was it? It was a devilish scheme to attempt to break the will of the Son of God. To break his will. These people don't love you. They want no part of you. What are you doing here for them? Can you hear them jeering? They're yelling at you. They made a crown of thorns for you. They want no part of you. Just let them die. They deserve every bit of it. Let them go. Can't you see that? The crucifixion was a devilish scheme to break the will of our Lord. These people hate you. Nobody understands you. The people that you thought you trusted, that understood you, where are they? Where's Peter? Where's he now? Where's Judas? 
what have you got for all of your efforts? You got three women and one man. What a pitiful showing. Why don't you just get out while you can? What a terrible temptation for our Lord. Let me tell you one more thing. I haven't said this before because every line we are talking about, all of the thoughts that we are gaining here at Calvary are all so tremendously important because how many people understand this thing? We are not saved by the criminal action of the crucifixion. We are saved by the loving act of our Lord staying on that cross in spite of it all. What they did for him, what they did to him, only made what he was doing for them much more difficult. But we are not saved by what they did to him. We are saved by what he was doing for them. So many times people get their eyes fixed on the nails and the hammers and on the cruelty of the cross that they don't see underneath this violence the love of our Lord. Now let's just quickly talk about his sacrifice. And here's an important sentence. His death was not the result of the crucifixion. His death, in fact, had nothing to do with the crucifixion. Let's talk about why he died. There were three men who died at Calvary, ultimately. Two thieves in our Lord. But only two of them were killed. Two of them died because of the crucifixion. But Jesus didn't die because of the crucifixion. John's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 17... It says, this is why the Father loves me. I give up my life so that I can take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I give it up because I want to. I have the right to give it up. I have the right to take it up again. I receive this commandment from my Father. I lay down my life. I do it myself. I have the power to put my life down. I have the power to take it up again. Now, you and I, we have neither one of those. Just by the action of our own will, we cannot lay down our lives, and we certainly don't have the power that once we've laid our life down to take it back up again. He took it up by his own decision. He can lay it down by his own decision. Now, let's quickly go through the Gospels to see if he did what he said he would do when he said, no man would take my life from me. I will lay it down. There's some interesting material here in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 46, two words that we sometimes don't pay much attention to. Just focus here for a second. It says, at about three, Jesus cried out with a loud shout, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you notice? 
with a loud shout. Now, there's a reason why when it came time for Matthew to write his gospel, that the Holy Spirit put his hand upon Matthew's shoulder and said, Matthew, do not forget to tell the people that when Jesus cried out, it was with a loud shout. Now, what does that loud shout have to do with anything? Very simple. Dying people do not have a loud voice. Why can't dying people speak loudly? Well, because they don't have any strength. It takes a lot of strength to speak loudly. The Bible says that when Jesus was upon the cross, he spoke out with a loud shout. And that tells us something. It tells us that our Lord was in full possession of great physical strength. Otherwise, he would not be able to speak with a loud voice. This tells us that Jesus was not dying for want of physical power. He was not dying for physical causes. Let's go a little further. If you go down, same chapter, down to verse 50. Look at what it says. You're going to notice that right up to the time of our Lord's death, he had the power to talk with a loud voice. This is absolute confirmation that Jesus was not dying for want of physical vigor. He had it right up until the moment he died. Now, let me show you another. John 19, verse 30. Look at what it says there. When he had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is finished. Bowing his head, he gave up his life. Did you see that? He bowed his head and he died. Well, that's exactly upside down. Ordinarily, when someone dies, they die, and then their head falls. But with Jesus, it was the other way around. It was deliberate by an action of his own sovereign will that he lowered his head, and then he died. So there is not the slightest question. When you look at all the verses that our Lord died by his own decision. Our Lord's life was given. We are not saved by what men did to Jesus. We are saved by his precious gift to man. For God so loved the world that he gave. We are saved by the gift of God, not by the hatefulness of man. What? A story. What a story that it was that the Son of God that died there for you and me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. You see, there's a strange paradox there that at the same time at Calvary, two things are going on. God was expressing himself and his thoughts and his feelings were being expressed. The cross is an expression of God's hate of sin. At the cross, when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Father was there. Here was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was the Father doing? He was standing with his back to the Lord Jesus. 
at the cross, the father turned his back upon his son. He forsook him. God was saying, I hate sin so much that if my own son is involved with it, I won't have anything to do with him. That's hatred. But at the same time at Calvary, while the father was demonstrating his hatred, not of his son, but of the sin that his son bore, it is the expression of God's love for sinners. At the cross and from the cross, the Lord was saying, I don't care what you do to me. You can nail my hands. You can mock me. You can laugh at me, but you cannot make me hate you. The cross is at one and the same time the expression of God's hate for sin and God's love for sinners all in the same action. So what do we do when we come to the cross? You see the Lord there and you say, you did this for me? What do you want me to do for you? And friends, that's what it means to come to Calvary. Calvary is not so much a piece of geography as it is a condition of one's heart. So today, can I ask you to go there to Calvary with all your being? There is nothing you can give him besides yourself. Your silver, your gold, it's his already. Everything we possess is his. The only thing we can give him is ourselves. And friends, that's all he really wants. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus that through that gift, though we are sinners, we may have life eternal. Father, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice right now that has not surrendered their life to Jesus, may they accept him as Lord and Savior right now. Receive the forgiving blood of Jesus Christ in their lives be made a new creature and one day reside in that place that Jesus is preparing for us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that segment of our program that we refer to as our book offer. On each and every broadcast, we have a resource available that we offer to our viewers free of charge just to help them on their spiritual journey. And today is no exception. We have this wonderful little book called Steps to Christ. We've offered it before. Uh, many people have told me that second to the Bible, next to the Bible, this book was the most impactful book on their Christian journey. So we'd love to send you this book as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. Uh, all we are going to need from you is your name and your mailing address. The book will arrive at your home, postage paid, in the mail. You will never receive an invoice for it. You're never going to be obligated to do anything. It is literally a gift made available through the generosity of the donors that support our ministry. 
And so if you'd like to receive this book, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you so much for joining us. Just before we go, a couple of uh, things I want to share with you. Uh, One is, if uh, for whatever reason you've requested one of our offers and it hasn't come, it it could be for a couple of reasons. One is we may have just lost your request, so don't hesitate to send it again or write to me, bill at l4ltv.com. Send me an email and we'll do everything we can to get the resource, the book, the magazine out to you. Sometimes we run out of the resources and uh, it's not always easy to get new stock. And so when that happens, we will try to send you a replacement resource, you know, something comparable. And so we hope you understand that. Uh, We sometimes get more callers than we have materials to distribute. It happens on occasion and not all of the materials we're able to get our hands on relatively quickly. And so we hope you understand that. So that's the reason for that. If you happen to call and one of the volunteers doesn't get to you and you go to the answering service, it would help us if you would leave both your name and your mailing address on that uh, voicemail and just enunciate and that will just make things so much quicker for us and get those resources out to you as quickly as we can, okay? So if you need to write to me, bill at l4ltv.com. A couple of things in the social media uh, front, uh, Instagram, follow me on Instagram. Uh, Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, I put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to start your day. You will find that your day seems to go differently when you start your day focused on things of heaven like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, We have a SoundCloud account, which has all of the programs in audio format, so you can download those and you can take those those with you. So check those out. When you're on the website, our l4ltv.com website, be sure to check out the Donate Today tab where you can make a donation. If you feel so impressed to do that, we are a charitable organization. You will get a receipt for income tax purposes. None of that money comes to my family or to me in any form of payments or salaries or anything. It doesn't, it all gets reinvested back into the ministry. And so I just wanted you to know that. Very quickly before we go, check out missionnowcanada.com website. That is the overseas humanitarian uh, wing of our ministry. And uh, you can get updated on where our next overseas mission trip may be. 
some of the things we've done for the, in the past, and you can also donate on that Mission Now Canada website. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for watching. We hope to have you back with us again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.